Today we have Vinky Lumba on the show. Vinky is the founder and CEO of Lumba Investment Group. She's a full-time real estate investor and syndicator with a 20-plus year background as a leader in the tech industry. Today, she's going to talk about finding your comfort zone in passive investing. Listen and learn. I'm Darren Batchelder, an ex-corporate guy turned business owner and real estate investor. Another way. Imagine having the financial freedom and time freedom to do what you want, when you want, and with who you want. Another way to preserve your capital, another way to build your wealth, and another way to save taxes. To get started, schedule your discovery call today at Calendly.com forward slash dbatchelder forward slash investor. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing. Be introduced to the players that are getting it done and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. We've got Vinky Lumba. Vinky, appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much, Darren, for giving me this opportunity to be with you today. Absolutely. So just a little bit on how we know each other and then uh, we'll get into it. So, um, you know, Vinky and myself, we, we met um, actually through a, a common acquaintance that uh, we both know in the, in the industry, um, Abbas Muhammad and Vinky kind of paired up and partnered up and they put together an online summit to educate people on the multifamily space. And um, they were kind enough to ask me to, to be one of the speakers. And so I was a part of that. Uh, Vinky and I also have worked on a deal together, and um, I was also on our podcast. So, you know, it's coming full circle now. So with that, um, Vinky, I appreciate you again coming on. Can you share with the listeners um, how many properties and how many units you're invested in? Uh, I have, I think, approximately syndication, uh, 16 syndication that I'm part of. So I would say almost 2,000 units, a little bit more. I have about 600 units in self-storage. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and if, if I understand correctly, you come from a tech background. Can you share a little bit on your background and how you got involved in, in multifamily to start with? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you said it very well. I do have a strong IT and academia background because uh, I started when I landed in this country, I started working for a financial company on the tech side. I was hired as a management trainee and uh, I seriously loved that position. I started climbing the corporate ladder and uh, did that for multiple years, almost 20 years before I stepped into real estate full time. So when did you start investing in real estate? About 20 years ago. So there's a story behind it. So like uh, I mentioned, um, I was in IT. Before IT, I wanted to become a professor, but when I came, I got married and came to this country, I wanted to do a PhD, but uh, it was going to take another three You're years. You're a smart cookie, huh? <laughs> yeah, PhD, exactly. Huh? <laughs> so I got enrolled in Berkeley for my PhD, but it was going to take three to five years to complete that. And my husband was like, you wanted to uh, try the business side of the world for a little bit, you know, give yourself a little bit of time and then you can always go back and do your PhD. 
So I thought that'll be the good route. So I got hired as a management trainee for one financial company, but the focus was 100% IT. I started enjoying that and uh, I just stayed there for 20 years. But uh, in the meantime, what happened is we, when we move into our second home, from the first home, we were in a position to afford two mortgage payments. So we put our first home on rent. So we became landlords by default. So, uh, and the taste of passive investing or the passive income was by default as well. But we thought we hit the jackpot. From there onwards, we started growing. We got few other duplexes. I got my California realtor license and I started investing in on the retail side as well. But I think after a while, it was a um, little bit uh, too much for us to handle between the two corporate jobs, two young kids and lots and lots of travel. If you recall, in those days, we didn't have something called remote working. It was you had to get work 100 percent. And even for the implementations, we used to travel a lot, me and my husband. So we just put our real estate thing on the back burner. And fast forward uh, a few years back, I was uh, able to take an early retirement from my primary job. And I stepped back into real estate again. So you ended up, did real estate play into making that early retirement decision? Or was it you decided to retire and then you were like, you know what? Rather than drink Mai Tais and sit on the beach every day, I want to do something. And, I, I, and then you got back into real estate. I think I would say it was kind of both because we were looking to do something else. Uh, because on the business side, it wasn't going very well. So looking to go uh, back into real estate again. But at the same time, my position was eliminated from my company. And uh, I got a package from there, which I negotiated after six months, uh, you know, hassle. But uh, then uh, I just felt like, you know, universe gave me the chance to go back into real estate. I stepped back into it. That's awesome. So, I mean, you said something, you, you, you became basically an accidental almost uh, investor. Mm -hmm. You know, when you moved out of your first house, you rented that one and you bought your second house. Um, but then you saw the benefits of it, the positive cash flow. And I come at it from a different angle where, you know, I was always invested in, in stocks and mutual funds. And, and then when I went and bought my first real estate property, it was like a duplex maybe five, six years ago. And I was scared to do it. I had the capital, but it was so unknown, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but then once I did it, I'm like, this just completely makes sense. How do you go, you know, how do you scale this thing? How do you go bigger? Um, but I think that that's a, that's still a fear for a lot of people like that, you know, if they haven't invested in real estate, making that first decision to do it is a big one. So I know that you work with a lot of people that are looking to get into the space. You know, how are some of those discussions with people that are, you know, they want to, they want to invest in multifamily and they want to get involved um, but they haven't done it before. Yeah, I mean, this is a really good question. And everybody experienced that, you know, in our space, whosoever is looking to bring the investors on board or along the side with them. And uh, I'm, I can tell you my experience, how it happened. Like I said, uh, by default, we became landlord. So by default, we started investing passively because my husband is a stock market guy. He was always stock, bonds, 
And just like uh, he just studies our market inside out. He's still in the market sitting downstairs <laughs> as we speak. Mm-hmm. And he's just looking at the market. That's his thing. So I did uh, that as well uh, for a few years uh, when I was uh, working with my primary job and uh, with the real estate. So I did too many things, I guess. But my portfolio was like always up and down. It was kind of a roller coaster for me. And I didn't feel too happy because my blood pressure was just like going up and down all the time with my stocks. And uh, when I stepped back into real estate a few years back, I started investing passively. So I got the taste of it, just like hands-free. I didn't have to do anything. Somebody else doing the work for me. So it's basically... Uh, you are hiring people to work for you, you know, if you look at from the corporate world, you know, or the corporate glasses. So basically you're investing with somebody, they are bringing the deal to you is and taking from conception to completion and providing you all the reports on a monthly basis. I'm like, wow, I can do that. So right. what I started doing that is I started sharing my, this experience with the other investors. And I, I, you know, share with everybody that it's very, very important for everybody to have um, some kind of investment in their lifetime, you know, or uh, in their portfolio, especially you should have a real estate investment going because real, real estate is a very solid asset class. And um, uh, this helps them. It opens up, I, I would say, their mindset a little bit and they want it to explore further. So uh, the, the other thing that I have noticed that in my experience is most of the hesitation is because there is a knowledge gap a little bit. Because the right. thing is, whatever you're doing primarily, whether it's your W-2 job or any kind of business, and if you're not familiar with something or something is not in your perception, you're hesitant to do that. So basically, educating people, first of all, before even the educating, just giving them the perspective what this avenue is all about, that's more important to me because once they learn about this avenue, they're going to have like little curiosity. That's going to help them explore further. That's how I do it. That's that's smart. I I love the curiosity. Um, I think that people are, you know, have more of a, um, a fear of loss than they have of, you know, the, what, positively can happen. Um, another thing I think is, you know, people don't have to go all in, you know, you know, when people bought their first stock on whatever brokerage account that they, that they're a part of, you know, that was new to them, but it was something that has been ingrained for, you know, years and years and years is that's what people do is they invest in the stock market. So if you haven't been involved in real estate doing it the first time, you know, you don't have to go all in, you know, allocate some funds to it and try it and see the difference. You know, the, you know, the, the power of real estate really comes in the leverage, you know, and you talked about, you know, the the hands-free piece, you know, that's as a passive investor, you're leveraging other people that went and did all the work to find the deal. And then they're just present bringing it back and you're getting a really solid return for putting up capital. And, you know, and, and look, they, they're getting paid even more for, for managing the deal. Right. Um, 
But I think that that's something that, that people, I don't know, they get held back on. You know, there's, I, I know syndicators that have told me they have, they have passive investors that have talked about wanting to invest for the last 10 years and they still haven't invested. Mm-hmm. You know, there, it, there's always a reason not to do it. Right. That's true. And plus, you said fear of loss. I think more than fear of loss, I would say there is a knowledge gap because a lot of people, they are not even familiar with this avenue called syndication because they, first of all, they feel like, oh, if I get into real estate, I have to manage the property. Do I have the bandwidth or do I want it to create another job for myself? Isn't that enough that I'm already doing? Right. Right. So, uh, and the other thing is, and then there is a JV options available and then there's a trust issues. There's a lot of other kind of things too, beside just the fear of loss. Fear of loss, I think is the last thing on people's mind uh, when they learn the whole process and when they know how it works, then it's going to be like, okay, this is working. Let me try that out. But how much I'm going to lose in this or what are the chances of losing the money? But when, when, when it's put in their perspective, you know, everything, even if you tell them, yeah, there is a risk, you can lose all your money. But at the same time, when you're giving them the perspective, how the whole deal works from conception to completion, it's just like a whole new world opens up for them. Right. That's how I have I experienced. Their loss aversion like ends up the more educated they get the more comfortable and confident they get exactly um you know so i understand that but i i do i i guess i would disagree that i do think that people are afraid to get into real estate to start with um it's not like you can invest like you go buy a stock you could you could buy a thousand dollars worth of stock right five hundred dollars five thousand dollars you can't do that That's with real estate, right? So if you're going to buy it on your own, you know, it's 20% down payment. If you're going to do it in a syndication, you know, most syndications that are minimum 50000 So it's a sizable investment for some people, and and that can scare, you know, people away. So That's true. Um, you're, you're so right about it because, see, it's a huge commitment. There's a time commitment. There's a money commitment. There's a liquidity issue. And the reason people uh, opt for opt in for stock market because there is no minimum. Like they don't have to put hundred thousand day one. They can go as small as they want, and they can sell the stock anytime. But the thing is, there's right. l- limitations in real estate. Even if you buy yourself, you're not going to sell it tomorrow. You have to hold on to it a little bit to really see the value of buying something. So I think these are all the other issues beside the fear of loss. Yeah. And, and so like you brought up liquidity. I mean, that's one of the, probably one of, one of the big downsides. If you look at, you know, stock investments versus real estate, it's much harder to get out of real estate investments um, quickly. Um, I think that can help people at times too, though. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there's people trade in the stock market based off of, emotion and you know when there's all of a sudden the stock market tanks you know people don't want to admit it but a lot of people get scared and they sell and all of a sudden the stock market goes back up and they've locked in their losses they don't know when to get back in um with real estate you know if it's not a good time to sell you just hold on that's true i agree on that 100 percent 
And then when you compare side-by-side stock market and real estate, I will opt in for real estate 100% because stock market, most of the time, like you said, people just sit on a stock. They think, okay, it's going to go down, I'll buy. Or if it's going down, they feel like, okay, when it's upward trend, I'll buy that. So what happens is they buy almost when it's like high and they say, okay, they wait on it. It starts going down, they wait on it. They know it will come back up. It will come back up. But by the time it just tanks completely and it's like, oh, let me get out now because, oh, I didn't do good. Maybe I'll do it in the next stock. But then the process is repeated over and over again. And then yeah. you're so right about that. In real estate, you cannot really do that because you're logged in into a time period, either three. Especially if you're a limited partner, right? You're a limited partner. It's like you, I'm a limited partner in a lot of deals and, and a general partner in a lot of deals. But, you know, if I'm a limited partner, I'm in the deal. I, I don't really have the control. Like somebody else is going to. So I just put it in there. And then all of a sudden, three, four, five years later. I know. Like I've doubled my money. I'm like, holy cow, that was great, you know? Um, and there's not a ticker symbol. Mm-hmm. So you don't have the, the mental gyration that you have. You know, I, look, I'm still in the stock market. Not, I'm way more heavily invested in the real estate market, but can't help but look at your portfolio and be like, all right, this, these stocks are down, these are up, like what's my net? And you're constantly having to think like, do I sell? Do I buy? Do I, you know, it's, you don't have that with real estate. You buy it, you wait for a good time to sell, and then you sell it. It's not like that mental thing that you go through every day with stocks. So diversification is good. Like you said, you can have the stock market uh, position too. At the same time, you can have a real estate in your portfolio too. It balances off, you know, it's a good balance to have. More. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we were talking about earlier. You don't have to go all in. Exactly. You know, you can mm-hmm. you can put some in in here and put some in there, and then see how it plays out. And then you might like for me, mm-hmm. I got way more interested in real estate based on the returns. The returns were just fantastic, and it made sense to me. You know, people pay rent, you pay the expenses, and the remainder, mm-hmm. you know, is positive cash flow goes to the investors. I'm like, that makes sense, and I saw it. You know, I, I was a little skeptical in the beginning, but then I saw it work. And then when you see it work, it gives you more confidence. Um, That's true. So talk about some of the learning lessons that you've learned. The learning lessons from my deals that I have done? Yeah. For, you know, you look, you've invested in, in deals as both a limited partner and a general partner. And, you know, some deals are great right from the get-go. Some deals, you know, they have some hiccups along the way. Um and, you know, how do you manage that? And, you know, what, do you, what did you learn from that? And, um, you know, did you get into any deals that you, you know, whether it was picking the wrong partners or the type of deal or the type of market um, that you would, you know, do differently now that you know? That's true. I think it's very important to pick the right partner or who you want to invest with. Uh, if you're investing as a limited partner, you should do your due diligence. It's very, very important. And initially when I started, I just jumped in. Uh, eyes closed and jumped in. I thought I'll find my ground, which I did. I don't regret. I had really, really good deals. Um, I went two cycle, full cycles already, which is pretty awesome. But I didn't make some mistakes too. 
because not knowing people enough or not really uh, knowing the people who I partner with, just because somebody's on the social media a lot or somebody talks really good and I just like that person, I just feel like that's not good enough. So um, everybody whosoever is looking to invest, uh, they should do their due diligence. They should know exactly who they're investing with, what their track record is, or how they are managing uh, the deals and how they're communicating with the investors. But all these things were all new to me when I started. I, I just wanted to taste being an LP and I just jumped in and uh, I would say I was lucky. Uh, on some deals. But uh, if I have to do it now or the way I'm doing it now, I do it totally differently. I just wanted to understand that deal completely, what the deal is all about. I wanted to under, uh, understand the underwriting, how they came up with all the numbers, because numbers always look good on the spreadsheet because uh, right. people can, you know, uh, make the numbers look good the way they want it, you know. It's not necessarily the true story. I wanted to understand the story behind it, you know. And now there's a story behind the numbers too. And I didn't even know that. I remember uh, early on, one of my partners that uh, he was uh, another mentee in a mentorship group, he used to tell me all the time, Vinky, there's a story behind the numbers. And I couldn't understand that analogy. I'm like, what could be the story behind numbers? But now I know that there's a story behind the numbers too. So you have to understand all the nitty gritty details before you're giving your money to somebody. And uh, so explain that. What do you mean by there's a story behind you? You wouldn't know, but now, you know. Yeah, because the thing is, if you're looking at even the rent roll, right? So uh, there is a dip in the rent. So why that happened? So there is some gray area and they might um, uh, tell you something else. But the thing is, when it's uh, on a line item on the underwriting, when you're looking at the numbers, you should figure it out why there was a dip. What exactly happened? What did they do? What efforts were done to bring it back up? Or why the occupancy went so low? Or why all of a sudden the next month occupancy went so up? So is it like all these numbers are true numbers that we're looking at it? So this is just one example. So these kind of yeah. things are now important to me the expenses, you know, what kind of expenses they have or where they're putting the money or why it's low or why it's low high, why the management uh, company that's charging that much money. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, now for the last year or six months, the number looks different than before. So there's a story behind it to what exactly happened or why they are doing that. Because the thing is, if you do not know, and uh, if you go with closed eyes, sometimes it's not everything true. And the other thing I know is, I learn is, uh, you, I wanted to work with experienced operators because uh, basically all these numbers that I said, people talk about buying a good market, buy a good asset class, all those things matter if the operator is strong. Operator knows what the operator is doing. To me, he's a jockey and our property or the deal is a horse. So horse will run faster or win the race if the jockey is good. So you're betting on a jockey. So make sure uh, that all the assumptions are right, whatever assumptions operator is making, their track record or how they're going to be managing the property. The important thing is their business plan, what they're planning to do, what their vision is. Does that vision align with your vision? 
Do you want it to earn the income the same way they are planning to do? Do you want it to have the returns up front or you want it to have everything towards the end? So these things are very important. Initially, I did not know that because for some people, you know, cash flow is very important because right. that's their monthly income. They rely on that. So some people, they look for the acquisition at the end. So that's a different ball game. But if you are partnering with or pairing up with the operator who is just betting on the appreciation, that might not be the right fit. But initially, I did not know all those things. I just jumped, yeah. like I said. So, but it, with experience. It, it's great. Well, each investment you learn, right? And exactly. you're curious, so you continue, continue to learn. Um, you know, a lot of people say, you know, pick the op, you know, the, the operator and the, you know, the jockey and the syndicator is the number one thing. And, you know, people talk about networking. You know, networking isn't just about, you know, meeting limited partners or co-sponsors to sponsor, you know, to work on a deal together. Um, but, you know, some of these syndicators, they, they may not have run into a certain issue, but they've built up a network that they could just call somebody that, hey, I think you had this issue at one of your properties. And they just know it from a, from a story, from a, a conversation they had two years ago. And they call that person up and they can get a solution potentially in a matter of minutes, you know, versus somebody that doesn't network and isn't out there. So it's, you know, it's not just their experience potentially, but that they're willing and able to get on the phone and call somebody else that has experience and, you know, try to get a solution from them. Yeah, you said it very well. I would say your network is your net worth. Everybody says that. I'm not just saying that. And I had a huge network always, all my life. My friend circle, my family. I was just like, I'm just a, always like a connector. And I always wanted to meet people from my corporate world too. I have tons and tons of relations over the years. And what I learned before even coming to real estate, when you have a huge network, that makes you resourceful. And being resourceful is more important than anything else. No matter how knowledgeable you are, no matter how academically educated you are, you cannot do everything yourself. And the other point that I wanted to make over here is there is no possible way you can all make all the mistakes yourself in this lifetime and learn everything. Right. Right. Smart people, billionaires, trillionaires, they learn from other people's mistakes. They don't, never wanted to repeat it. So all those things count. That's the reason network is very, very important because you from le learn from others. Like you said, exactly right. Like if something is going wrong or something I do not know, maybe. Right. I know Darren. He's on my Rolodex. I can call him anytime and I can Absolutely. ask. And the other thing is, it's not like always asking people. It's about how you're adding value to others. So I'm looking to add value to others, whosoever comes into my energy sphere, the first question I ask is, how can I add value to you? You know, how can I make difference in your life? Because I just feel like there's no meeting on this earth happen. It's like, it's not a consequence. It just happens for a reason. Some need has to be met either at your level or my level. So it's always good to ask, how can I help you? Maybe that person needs something. 
So by doing that, you're creating this lifelong relation with somebody. It's like that. It's going to come back to you, not from that particular person, maybe from somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, look, you help somebody and then they may know somebody that can help you. Exactly. You know, or, or, or the, you know, universe just ends up, you know, bringing it, bringing it back to you. But, but all that is, is goes to leverage again, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, with real estate, you're leveraging the, the lender's money. You're leveraging other people's money that are investing in the deal. You're leveraging the property management company who's, you know, on site doing the leases and the maintenance and all that. You're leveraging a lot of people. In addition, just like you said, you're, in order to be, you know, find solutions for different problems, you're being resourceful and you're leveraging the knowledge of other people. That's true. That, that are in your network. So, hey, um, I know that you, you know, um, help other people get involved and, you know, grow, help grow their wealth. What, why do you do that? And, and um, I guess, how do they feel about that? I, why I do that, that's a good question. It's not like about anybody else. It's about me. And it's always about you for everybody. Because nobody is thinking about anybody else when they're doing something. It doesn't matter where they come from whether it's a real estate or corporate world, no matter what nationality you are, it's always about me for everybody. You know, somebody is doing something because that gives them happiness. So whatever I'm doing or trying to add value to others or trying to make a difference, because it makes me happy. I just feel like I have accomplished something by the end of the day. And I, I don't think there's any bigger happiness than that. Because you feel so happy when you help somebody, even more than making money sometimes. Because the other person is so happy, they will say thank you 10 times to you. And all of a sudden, you're on top of the world. And whether you're doing the charitable cause or just helping somebody with a passive investing or even answering some question for somebody or just connecting somebody with somebody. So all those things give me eternal happiness. That's the reason I do it. I I love that. I I love that. You know, for years, you know, I've, I've said this on other podcast episodes. For years, I've, I've sat in the you know, church and you know, they have certain events where, like, you go pick up garbage and, you know, in a community or you paint a wall. And, like, I just didn't feel compelled to do that. And, like, I am excited with syndication. I feel like I can use my skills to help build wealth for other people mm-hmm. and, and better the community you know, that we're, we're investing in, we're put, putting dollars into that. So it seems silly because it's financial, right? Um, but I feel like it's my way of serving, That's you true. know, is, 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 you know, being able to bring other people into deals that they otherwise wouldn't have access to. And, and then when they, they see the returns, they're like, holy cow, thank That's you true. for, you know, getting me involved. Exactly. It's just like sharing the knowledge, right? For me, it was more like I found this secret that I didn't know. Let me go share with everybody. That's what I was trying to do. So uh, that's how I scale. It's like, oh my God, I know something I didn't know before. That's that's so, so true. And like when when I did my first syndication, my wife was a little nervous. And so she said, you know, hey, don't go to our friends and family mm-hmm. on the, and I'm like, why? 
But I'm wired differently where I'm, I'm, I'm like you, where I'm like, I found something that I believe in and I think is going to make us a lot of money. And why would I not want our friends and family to make a lot of money too? Mm-hmm. You know? And so I'm like, it's an opportunity. That's true. It's not, they have the, the ability to say that's for me or for, not for me, you know, or the timing's not right for me, whatever the case. But why would I not give them you know, people that I really care about that are close to me, the opportunity. That's true. And I, I'm going to add to it. This is so wonderful that you just said, because uh, you look at the bigger schema. What is the purpose of this life? The purpose, everybody thinks about purpose of life. You know, what is my purpose yeah. in this life? Everybody's always looking for that. But there is no bigger purpose in the bigger schema other than connecting with each other and helping each other grow. Because by the end of the day, we all are same. We are all energies, you know, but we are conditioned different way. We are brought up different way. We think differently. We process things differently. But by the end of the day, it's the same energy. So when you're trying to help others grow, that's an exponential growth for yourself as well. Because you're not limiting yourself. Remember, if you remember, you came from the corporate world too, right? Yes. So in the yeah. corporate world, you know how we were like so pigeonholed and we didn't have all yeah. these internet resources and all that. And whatever knowledge we got, we were used to keep it to ourselves. That's the way we were taught that because it's a job security. Nobody yeah. used to share what they knew. They just wanted to keep it to themselves. So it was very limited career, you know, in my perspective, if I look back. But here we are, we are sharing our knowledge. We are sharing all the resources. I'm so open. If somebody comes to me with anything, if they wanted to connect with somebody, I'm like, by all means, let me make the introduction. Let me connect you with this person. Let me connect you with this resource, whatever you need. It's like more like abundance mindset. So you're creating that kind of community. So by helping others, by default, you're helping yourself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. You know, I think that, you know, by doing it, there's huge growth for myself, for you, for other people. There's also risk, mm-hmm. right? I mean, because you're trying to help people and, you know, you found something that is a secret that you want, want to share with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like to, to use the analogy, like, look, if you found the cure to cancer, you're going to tell people, mm-hmm. you know, what, mm-hmm. about it. But, you know, with investments, if, a, if one investment goes bad, then they may blame you, you know, for getting them involved. But for, it's weird how, like, with the stock market, you know, look, I've never owned a, a portfolio where I don't have some stocks that are down. Mm-hmm. You know, if I look at my portfolio any time, mm-hmm. there's some stocks that are up, I've done well on, and there's some stocks that are down. That's true. But... Like, I don't point to one person that, okay, they, you know, told me about this one stock and I, I bought it. And so I place blame. That's a risk, I think, for, so, that- but I think that if you don't risk anything in life, you don't have the growth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just financial, it's relationship too. It's like, if you don't, if you don't take a chance on loving somebody, Right. You never know what love right. is. <laughs> you, you won't get hurt, right? Mm-hmm. But you won't feel the 
you know, the great part about love, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the same thing, you know? So um, anyway, we, we kind of went into so, a... Let me, let me uh, demystify this yeah. risk uh, factor for you yeah. as well a little bit. I'm going to add to it. So you said people will blame you. So you position yourself in a way that day one, you know, educating the people alongside you, whatever you're learning, you share the knowledge. That's what I've been doing. So most people, when they are on the decision-making seat, they are the decision makers. They are making the decisions for themselves, for their investments. You are not in the picture, even though you are invest. They are investing alongside you, even though they are investing with you, because it's their decision. And then you gave them all the goods and bads and the ugly day one. That what is gonna look like investing with me in this? Because anything can go wrong. It's just like you have to understand their risk appetite. And you have to make them understand what could go wrong and what mitigation steps we can take or what our risk portfolio is or what our steps are to mitigate all that. So once you have that all cleared out day one and give them the driver's seat, when they're on the driver's seat, you're not in the picture. Trust me, you're not. Well, I, I mean, I haven't had any investors that, that have had that before you know what i don't like seeing is on social media i see some people post something to facebook about something you know whatever they're not getting distributions in a deal or they're doing this something and like posting and like they're in there look and i can't speak for the every deal right, like I, there's I some, some some syndicators that may you know they just may not be good communicators and and or, or maybe they got into one deal and then they're off onto something else and they're not really focused on it and it's their fault. And then there's other syndicators that I think that are legitimately, you know, trying their best and then somebody goes and posts something, you know, on social media. I just, I don't know. I just, it rubs me the wrong way that, you know, I don't think that they're trying to you know, lose their money, you know, um, but I don't know. But I think those things happen. I'm not saying that the wrong thing does not happen. Wrong things happen all up, all over, you know, anytime anything can go wrong. But the thing is, it's your up approach. How you're making that wrong into a right, right? We yeah. are in very turbulent times. Things are going bad for a lot of operators. And we are in a bad deal too. I'm not going to say that all deals are working 100% for us. But we are trying, we're putting all of our efforts as a general partners we are just putting all of our efforts, everybody's pitching in to bring that deal back on track. And it's going to happen. Mark my words. Today, I'm telling you this. The deal is downhill a little bit. and uh, But we wanted to save our investors money no matter what. And we will bring it on track. The whole team is working towards it. And people are talking bad about our deal too. They're not saying good things, but this is all the noise. You know, uh, if we start paying attention to all the noise around us, it hinders our growth. And most of the time, right. like, you know, my uh, my daughter just got married. So I gave them one. They asked. Congratulations. Thank you so much. So they asked me to give one uh, golden nugget or one piece of advice. So my advice to them was, you know, that there is a lot of noise all around you. So if you wanted to grow in life or something, do want to do something bigger and better. So just tune yourself out. Do not pay attention to the noise. 
when you become somebody or when you accomplish something, all this noise around you is going to be your followers and they're going to be cheering for you. So it's all your perspective, how you want it to, you know, look at things. If you want it to focus on bad, all the bad things are going to start happening. If you're going to focus on good, all the good things will start happening. So it's all about you, your perspective, how you want it to do something. I, I love your perspective. I, you know, if I was to look back and, and add something there is, is I think about how, like, so I was in the corporate world too. And when you're in the corporate, you know, you're chasing the corporate ladder, like you're competing against mm -hmm. like the people in your company to get to the next level. And, you know, um, and like you said, you're not sharing stuff so that, cause you want to get past them and they want to get past you and all that. But it seems so important. Like it seems so like at the end of the day, I look back and I'm like, you know, I, I wish I had taken more risks, you know, like I'm glad that I take risks, you know, if I, I can't imagine going through life and not take any risks, you know, play it safe the whole time. So, all right, we, we digress a little bit. Um, so on the deal that um, is not going so well or in, his, in the turnaround phase, maybe share like what was the challenge and how are you guys writing the ship? So the challenge was uh, the property management company that we were dealing with and uh, we were too slow to change the company. We, were, we thought, oh, they'll come back on track. So I think that was a bigger challenge. So that derailed us a little bit. Uh, now we're trying to bring that deal back on track. We got a new property. Did you change property management Yeah, we changed the property management company twice. And now we have a good property management company. And then we do have a contract with somebody. They're going to be leasing multiple units from us. So we're trying to work the details and trying to bring it back on track. That, that's fantastic. And, and look, that's a, that's a real thing. I mean, have, your property management company is a big piece of the, the property. And, and it's a big decision to change property management companies. Um, and when we talk about our network, you know, I was at a mastermind and I was considering having to change property management companies on a deal, but I was nervous. You know, it's a big decision. And, um, and I just happened to be around other guys that, and the conversation came up and I jumped in and said, you know, how tough is it really to yeah. change property management companies? I think the change is bad anyways. I mean, that's the way been taught, you know, from the very beginning. Nobody likes to accept the change. They just want it to be in the comfort zone all the time. Or this thing is working this way. I'm just going to keep on doing whatever I'm doing. I can give you an example of my marketing company. So whosoever I was working with before, I worked with them for a year and now two years maybe. And I'm like, oh my God, even they were not doing the good job. Half of the work I was doing myself. I was just like, if I let them go, who's going to edit my podcast? Who's going to do this? It's like, I do not have time. So kind of, you know, compromising. And then one day I thought, why I'm compromising? You know, let me get the new company on board. What's going to happen? What's come worse? They'll take, you know, months, two months to get on board or, you know, get back uh, into the game. It's okay. But here I'm just wasting so much time trying to do everything myself. You know, 
uh, I'll just spend another you know few weeks with them and everything is going to be hunky-dory. And I changed it. So I do not have that hesitation or fear for me. So what I have learned is that change is a very big factor for everybody. Nobody likes change because everybody feels just like, oh my God, change, everybody gets scared. So they just wanted to feel like, okay, this thing is working. Like in our technology, what we talk about, you know, if it's not broken, let's not try to change it. You know, that's the way we've been taught. But I would say if something is not working for you, look for options right away, day one. Do not let yeah. it linger. Because the more it's going to yes. linger, the more it's going to harm you. Because you're wasting time, yeah. energy, money, everything. It's not worth it. That's that's. That's great, great advice. And, and that's what these, these, you know, syndicators said. They said, look, if you feel in your gut, it's time for a change. You exactly. got to just rip off the Band-Aid, you know. And, and then, you know, I got back from that trip and we did. And it, the property turned around dramatically. Yeah, you know? great. So that, that was something that had to happen. But, you know, it was, it was nice hearing from other people that were able to provide counsel on that as well. Um, so... Look, we've got a lot of headwinds in the market right now, right? Um, the biggest thing is higher interest rates. Um, you know, we've got cap rates that have started to go higher. And there's some investors that are like on wait and see mode. Mm -hmm. You know, it's definitely a, a more cautious environment. Mm -hmm. um, so what's your take? Is it, are you still a, a buyer now? Are you wait and hold? Are you... You know, I have some syndicators saying that, okay, the second half of this year, there's going to be all these deals that are going to come that are going to be discounted deals. Um, so what, what's your take in terms of buy, hold, wait? Well, uh, I'm, I would say I'm like maybe a little bit on the aggressive side, and especially in this market too. Uh, like Warren Buffett said, when people are fearful, get greedy. Right. So I'm at the constant hunt of good deals and there are good deals. There's going to be many more good deals for the next two quarters. So I would rather buy real estate and then wait versus waiting to buy, because if you're waiting to buy, you might not even get a chance. And uh, the, I think the hesitation, the fear is more around where to invest or who to invest with. Or what deal is a good deal? I think that's where the focus should be. Versus, oh, I'll wait, good deal will come. Good deal is not going to come walking to you. You still have to do your due diligence. You still have to do your work in order to find the right opportunity for you. So this Right, and look, I mean, the, the other side of that coin could be, okay, am I catching a falling knife? You know, so I do, you know, our, our but... Just like the stock market, very few people can pick the bottom. That's true. You know, so, so you know, for me, I'm aligning myself with people that are getting the off-market calls that, you know, are like a 20% discount off the, off the top. Um, could it go down to 30% discount, you know, or 40% discount? Who knows? Maybe. But it could also be at 20% for the next few months and then shoot back up. Exactly. You know, so you just don't know. So I'm, I'm of the believer of, I don't know that now is necessarily a time to go all in, but like, I just want to continue buying and, you know, and then buying good deals with good people. And then, like you said, buy real estate and wait. 
That's true. And plus, every time is the right time. It's about your perspective, like I was saying earlier. Time is now because whatever you are seeing, the opportunities or things that's present to you today, it might not be available tomorrow. Like a lot of people I hear saying that all the time. I wish I could have gotten into real estate 20 years ago. I would have been right, figured yeah. out by now. So what's wrong now? Yeah. Start now. Maybe your time right. is now. You know? So I wish time- I started in my 20s also, but I didn't start till I was like 47. But hey, I'm glad I started then, right? Exactly. You so. start from anywhere, you know? I mean, I did the same thing too. I was in real estate. I put it on the back burner because I was so fascinated with my title that I am a president or senior vice president whatever my title was. I was so attached to my title. I didn't want to give up my corporate job and go, you know, kind of 100% into real estate. So it took me time to make that transition as well. That's the reason I say everybody has their own trajectory. Everybody has different path, different timelines, but every time is the right time. There's no good or bad times. If you can afford something today, this is the right time for you. Maybe it was not the right time when everybody else was buying at 20000 or 30000 a house. Maybe you couldn't even afford. Now you can afford a million dollar house. Is it a time for you now? It was not 20 years ago and it might not be 20 years from now either. So every time is the right time in my dictionary, I would say. <laughs> or in my book. Yeah, I, I like your viewpoint. I like, I like how you look at things. Um, and, and your husband, he's on the same mm-hmm. path with you? Yes, he is. He's my biggest supporter. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, hey, look, you've done, you've done so much. I mean, been in 16 syndications. Um, you know, kind of where do you go from here? What's your next big stretch goal? How do you get uncomfortable again? Oh, I'm always raising the bar. So, so how, are you gonna, how do you plan on raising it? I just wanted to uh, start a fund that's what I've been thinking it for months now. I'm not, I do, it's kind of blurry vision. I do not know 100% how to get there, but I'm just trying to work the details out. How can I start a fund so that, you know, could be, you know, 50 million, 100 million dollar, maybe more, uh, depending uh, where to start from, first of all. So that's the goal. That's a big goal. And uh, so when are you going to do it by? uh, I my goal is to start it this year before the end of the year. But the thing is, I do not have all the right pieces in place yet. So I don't know what's going to happen. I know where to go. That's my address. You know, I know where I am. So I need to find the direction through my GPS how to get there. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm sure you've heard this advice plenty of times and people are using you for it, right? Is, is find people that have already done it mm-hmm. and ask them how they did it. Yeah, that's know? what so. I've been doing, talking to people because a lot of people are doing fun. There's a lot of fun managers and they are, uh, everybody's creating a fun in today's day, I would say. I think that's the best model to work with. So talking to different people, but it's just like, I just need to be 100% sure that what I'm doing. I just don't want you to get into something that everybody's You're never going to be 100% sure, right? I mean, at some point, you're just going to have to do it. Yeah, exactly. But I think I just don't want to do it just because everybody's doing it. So I just want you to have all the... Sounds like you want to do it. 
Yeah, I want to do it, but I just want from the fund structure. That's what I'm talking about. But the structure, I wanted yeah. to have a fund for sure, no doubts. And talking about the fund structure, like what kind of structure I wanted to have for my fund. So that's what I'm not sure about. And that's what I was talking about. Sorry to confuse you. No problem. So, so you're definitely going to do a fund, but you're trying to figure out, is it going to be a completely blind fund? Are you going to show people the deals first? Are you going to be just multifamily? Is it going to be, you know, multiple asset classes? Is it going to be in any geography? All those types of questions. Yeah, the structural aspect is not clear to me yet. I gotcha. should have said it correctly before. So that has to get into place. I need to get behind it, what it's going to look like. And then the how thing is going to come afterwards. Because to me, is see, as long as you know your address, you know where you are. And getting there is not hard. It's just a matter of finding the directions. So that's the phase I am in. Awesome. Well, you know where you want to go. I mean, that's the, that's the part. It's, it's so, many, so many people, you could ask them, hey, where do you want to go? Where do you, you know, where do you want to be five years from now? I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm just fighting for today. And look, if you do that, like, probably not going to be anywhere near where Binky's going to be in five years. You know, you got, you got to be able to, to set that goal and set that vision for the future. Um, so how do people reach out to you if um, they want to get to know you better? Well, uh, the best way to reach out to me is LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm all over the social media, but LinkedIn's the best okay. way. And other than that, I do have uh, my website, lumbainvest.com. Uh, you can connect uh, with me from there. And I do offer a free ebook on my website, Syndication Secrets Unlocked, the ultimate guide to massive wealth and tax savings in multifamily investing. So it's free to download and anybody's welcome to download the book. All they do is go to your website and then yes. they get the Go to my website, lumbainvest.com, and then just download the free ebook. Fantastic. What do you like to do outside of work for fun? I love to go for long walks. I love nature because uh, I just feel like that's what we are. You know, you get a lot of energy and a lot of ideas when you're attuned with nature. So I enjoy hikes, long walks, and just seeing all the nature, the beauty outside. Because if you see everything is happening at its own pace, and we have so much turmoil inside of us, our minds, we're just making ourselves crazy. So when you go out in nature and see things around you, so peaceful. It's, just it's like, weird it's that you said energy and then you said ideas mm -hmm. and it's weird how I, f I feel like I've had some great business ideas come to me mm. when I've been on vacation, when I've been, you know, out by, out by a pool or the ocean or, you know, hiking or, you know, doing something different. And all of a sudden an idea comes to me like where versus, you know, if I'm in the middle and I'm focused on something. Mm -hmm. That big idea typically doesn't just jump out, you know? So I like that you said that. You know why it happens? Can I tell you that too? Yeah, tell me. Because tell what me. happened is when we go on vacation or when you just like take a little bit break too. So you're away from work. You're away from day-to-day -day mundane life. You know, you're kind of in a relaxed mode. Your mind is calm. So at the time, ideas popping in. Because 
other than that, when you're working day to day, you have like jillion thoughts all the time coming to your mind. Your mind. All the to do's that you got to do, all the stuff you, you got to get exactly. done. Exactly. So it's not, our mind is not calm. There's like so many thoughts coming. So you're like, okay, this happened, that happened, that happened. Let me do this. So you're always just putting off the fires, you know? So you do not have that calmness. So when you're in the calm state, and you can do that uh, in your daily uh, ritual or routine, you can add meditation like three minutes or five minutes to calm yourself down, calm your mind down. And you can get ideas that way too. It's basically just calming your mind and get into- You know, I've read so many books and, and, and I'm, a, I'm a big book reader and, um, and I've been around other people that talk about meditation and I've tried it a few times like to try to create the habit of meditation. And it's been hard for me like to, you know, breathing exercises and like getting into that calm state. Like, I don't know if it's just like anything. Sometimes it's just takes some people longer than others yeah, to, but to break through it. I think there is a lot of different techniques that people teach. And then the breathing exercises is not just like exercise only. It's the way to shift your focus. Like you're so entangled in your thoughts. So you're just being carried away. And then you see all the emotions coming up, sometimes good, bad. And then you just carry it away. You write the thoughts, you know, sometimes you carry it away with your thoughts. You're just riding that train and you just come to the conclusion that you're getting worried. A lot of fear is going to come. What if that happens? All these bad things are coming to your mind because you're writing that thought and you're writing a story on that thought in your mind. And you're just, just writing that way, which is not good. So all these meditation techniques, you know, like breathing technique or even doing the poses, you know, the yoga poses that you do, that's just like shifting your focus to something else. But if you don't even do anything, don't even do any breathing exercise, don't do anything. Just sit or lie down quietly for three minutes. Just start with three minutes only. Don't do anything. What you do is just watch your thoughts. What's coming to my mind? And do not attach yourself to the thought. Do not write the thought. You will be meditative, maybe in a few days, just with three minutes only. Well, you may have just push me to 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 uh, try it again because try look it. there's a lot there's a lot of very successful people that have you know really pointed to meditation as being something that has really helped them in their life and so I, I have tried it a few times and I just haven't gotten it to, st to stick but um, you know with that you know thank you very much for coming on sharing I love your energy, your essence, your, you know, the way that you want to serve people, the, you know, how, how to, you know, asking people how you can add value to, to others. I mean, look, people say that, you know, and say that that's the best way to, to build business. But for some people, it just comes more naturally than others. And I can tell it comes naturally for you. So that's, that's fantastic. That's true. Um, well, thank you for that. Well, listeners, I hope that you enjoyed that one. Until next week, we're signing off. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. 
If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend. <laughs>